0: Visit ViralGrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of MicMac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. So Rachel, now that
2: you've been indoors for eight months, what are some of the bigger changes in your spending habits?
1: Yeah. When I look at my credit card statement, my most frequent purchase is Discovery Wines on Avenue B and 2nd Street, amazing organic wine store, followed by Peloton. Uh, not only did I buy a bike for myself, but every quarter I've raffled them off at Micmac. So it's uh, it's been a big spending season. So I hope you're not doing them both at the same time uh i have
2: <laughs> okay no no judgment as long as you stay on the bike personally i quit my gym membership and i'm not spending 30 bucks round trip on the long island railroad to get to manhattan and while i'm spending a lot more in certain areas like the cost of keeping up my house and feeding four adults on a daily basis and doing some takeout here and there my coffee budget has been reduced drastically i went to starbucks a few weeks ago and it was like the
1: first time i had done that in 8 months I know. It's actually interesting. I used to spend 4 to 8 dollars a day at coffee shops and ever since the pandemic, I've turned that into increasing my at-home coffee purchases from an automatic machine, a french press, a pour-over. That's
2: I mean it it is indicative of behaviors that are happening here. There's been a huge increase in coffee sales starting in March. Um, In fact, if you compare May sales against January sales, Proptero saw an increase of 20% on coffee pods, almost 20% on espresso capsules. And that's just on Amazon. doesn't even account for D2C. One of the first D2C companies in the coffee space is a name that we all know, but we don't think of when you think D to C, and that's Nespresso.
1: No, it's it's really amazing. And not only did they create this category of upscaling and upskilling at-home coffee making, they also have this incredible sustainability story that we get to learn from Justin DeGeorge on this podcast, who heads up marketing at Nespresso.
2: Justin, thanks so much for being here.
3: Thank you so much, Sarah and Rachel, for having me. I'm a fan of the show. and really excited to be here.
2: Awesome. Unlike some of our other guests, you and I go back many years. When I first met you, you were part of the Dat, the Digital Acceleration team at Nestle headquarters in Switzerland. Me being in New York, you being in Connecticut. It's uh, quite a different scene these days. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey from there to now? Even though your journey began well before then, I think it's important to see, like, kind of how you got to this spot.
3: It seems so long ago, Sarah. We were we were by Lake Geneva and having a chance to to meet each other for the first time. So my story, I started my career in advertising um, and worked at a number of different agencies for a while. And then ultimately, after I I went back to to school to get my MBA, I landed with Nestle. And um, I was at our Nestle office uh, that previously was right outside of, of Los Angeles working in our beverage division in marketing. And I had been there for about a year and a half in a role and an opportunity um, kind of was, was mentioned and presented to me, and it was around what was called the Digital Acceleration Team. So this is a team that was centered in Vevey, which is our global headquarters in Switzerland. Started uh, back in 2012 by, uh, by Pete Blackshaw, who was the head of digital at the time, Sarah, who I know you know. And he wanted to kind of create um, really this kind of bottom-up digital transformation and kind of stimulation team. So, so the idea was Every eight months, 12 different marketers would come from around the world on a rotational basis and get together at the center. And they would really focus on digital training, really focusing on things like social listening and analytics and content strategy. Um, And while they were there, they would be um, essentially consultants and support different zones and businesses and projects that they had. After those eight months, they would then return to their markets and roles that were really trying to spearhead additional kind of digital social and e-commerce initiatives. And many of them actually set up uh, kind of local DATs in the market. So I had an opportunity to go out and uh, and join one of those teams and then ultimately manage the team. And now I think I just saw the latest uh, news. I think DAT 13 is going to be starting. So almost 10 years later, the program still goes. There's about 200 alumni that have kind of gone through it. And after that, I you know, had an opportunity to return to the U.S. I was in Switzerland for, for about a year and a half. I had a wonderful experience learning the different aspects you know, of our business and managing this very kind of dynamic uh, and, and multicultural team. And I had the opportunity to return to the U.S. on espresso. And uh, for Nespresso, you know, it's, it's always been a dream brand of mine. I love coffee. I love the the sustainability at our core and the purpose of the brand. And I love the the unique kind of business model um, relative to CPG. So I returned uh, to the U.S. in a director of communications role, ultimately transitioned after a couple of years there to lead our e-commerce for, for about a year. And that was our, our D2C as well as our pure play e-commerce and then shifted back about a year and a half ago to, to lead our marketing team, which is the role I'm in now. So that's the story. But it's been uh, it's been quite a journey. And here we are.
1: Well, your journey has definitely led you into a category that is right place, right time right now. At-home coffee brewing during the pandemic has exploded. We've seen it in public data. I'm sure that's positively impacted Nespresso as well. You're sitting in a global seat, uh, understanding all of this. What has been the impact on your business since March, if you're able to say, or even from a transparent standpoint? Sure. I
3: mean, you've, you've nailed it, Rachel, right? I think, I think what you would expect to kind of have happened is, is, is what's happening, right? With um, more people staying at home, with us being an in-home coffee brand, with us being a brand that's primarily um, an e-commerce brand, we've seen, you know, some positive momentum, right? In the way, uh, the category has moved, the way our, our brand has moved for us you know as a every other brand and every other business what we really had to deal with at the beginning was just stabilizing the business from a supply chain perspective from a customer support perspective um and ensuring that you know we could um we could handle all of that and i think as we've worked through that and as those teams have really thrived you know during this they they've really been kind of the unsung heroes and the superstars um behind this we've seen uh, really positive growth um in the business Now, for us, you know, when we look at our source volume and and kind of how we've grown uh, over the last few years, we have have always kind of had people shifting some consumption from, you know, coffeehouse kind of out of home um, cups to Nespresso in home, right, largely because of kind of the quality of the experience. And what we have definitely seen is that's continued, right? As people spend more time at home, their everyday coffee experience is something that they are valuing a lot, right? It's an important part of their day, an important part of their routine. So we're seeing it as something that people um, have been willing to kind of invest in as they think about kind of home upgrades and office upgrades and things like that. So, so far, it's been positive from a business perspective and the team um, has really come together to, to handle it.
1: Have you seen any new demographics enter the market during this time? So, for example, online grocery shopping, the 60 plus, the the boomer community that was never buying groceries online now is doing it. Has there been any demographic shifts in who your customer is?
3: I wouldn't say drastically. I think what we are seeing is we are seeing an increase, uh, an increasing shift to uh, a younger demographic overall, right? And we're seeing two reasons that, that that's happening, or maybe there's 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 three. One, again, is just um, you know the, the quality of the experience. We have a lot of people now who are adults who have grown up in a world where all they have known is kind of coffee shop coffee, right? Like they they never knew a world before that where it was kind of the old crappy coffee that their parents grew up with, right? So they, they have kind of more uh, elevated expectations as it comes to what they're going to drink every day. Um, the second element is, again, a lot of, um, younger consumers really do genuinely care about sustainability, right? And that's something we invest a lot in. Um, we're really committed to things like recycling.
2: Wait, I got I got to interrupt because the sustainability story is exceptional. Can you? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do a little PR for Nespresso, but like sure. I really did not, and and I've been a loyal Nespresso drinker for a long time. But when you hear the story, it's so much cooler than anything that you can like read and you know stuff. Justin, tell a story. Thank you, Sarah. Um, no, I'm I, sorry. I'm like I, now. I'm your PR person. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love it. No, it's it's um, it's core to who we are, really. I mean, it's it's fundamentally part of our DNA. It starts um, on the ground, you know, in the farms. We have a direct relationship with over a hundred thousand farmers in fourteen different countries, and these are long-term relationships that have lasted decades, right? So we're really committed to. Enabling the highest quality coffee we can by doing it the right way over time and supporting, again, the farming communities in a way that's going to support their local environments, right? So combat things like climate change, but also kind of enable them from a community society perspective to continue to thrive. That commitment carries through virtually every single aspect um, of our experience and our value chain. And when we think about the packaging that we use for our capsules, we use aluminum. It's wonderful in terms of the way it protects the coffee and the integrity of that quality, but it's also a material that's infinitely recyclable, right? So we have a recycling program that we set up you know, in the U.S. where you can order or prepaid UPS recycling bag and you can send your capsules back to us and we we fully pay the cost and we ensure that the aluminum gets recycled into other objects and the coffee is turned into compost. And we recently invested over a million dollars in the city of New York to enable curbside recycling as well. Um, so we worked with the local city. We adjusted some of the machinery kind of in the recycling setup to allow, you know, consumers in, in the New York region to be able to just put their capsules right in kind of their their blue bin, right so it's hugely part of who we are um, last thing i'll throw on this sarah open the door for me to, to do a little plug um, is we also just about a month ago announced that we're going to be fully carbon neutral as a company by 2022 right so it was on our roadmap our new global uh, ceo guillaume who used to be uh, the the head honcho here in the u.s really wanted to move faster right just felt like we need to commit to this it's important there's an urgency for for brands and companies to take a stand on this so that announcement went out a few weeks ago and and now we're tracking towards it and we're going to be fully carbon neutral in a little over a year which is something we're really proud of
2: it's exceptional i mean one of the one of the things about the nespresso brand not to like keep pumping you up and all but one of the things is is the balance of being able to be strong from a sustainability perspective and actually have delicious coffee too like the dual role that the aluminum plays is is really fabulous but one of the things that makes nespresso so interesting relative to the rest of the nestle organization especially in the US is the fact that you i wouldn't say e-commerce first but e-commerce heavy mm-hmm. so either you live close to a nespresso store and you can buy capsules or you're ordering them online curious as to how that's kind of played out, both from going from D to C to actually selling through other retailers, like take us through the journey of, of, what made you think, you know, okay, now it's time for us to diversify, especially given the closed system of Nespresso from day one.
3: Sure. No, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, again, Nespresso is a, is a business that was founded, um, Over 30 years ago. Right. And I think the first the first e-commerce website was launched in the late 90s. Right. So when it comes to to D2C, we were a D2C brand just from from birth. Right. We were D2C before D2C was so cool. And it's part of our our DNA.
2: You were sustainable before it was cool, too. yeah,
3: a couple of these things. and again, I feel fortunate that we're we're at the intersection of some really important um, things right now, but I think that's how the brand has has grown up. And again, so much of that is because the premium experience is really important, ensuring that our customers, you know, receive our coffee in a way that, is is up to our standards and that we're really kind of uh, looking at it from a a completely circular perspective right commitment to the farm all the way through getting the coffee to you all the way to taking your capsules back right really looking at kind of a circular business model so what's happened um, for us is as our brand um, has grown particularly in the us i mean i think um you look at certain you know certain online retailers right certain marketplaces that kind of pop up and exist. Um, you have to make the decision. Are there areas that you want to participate in, or do you want to kind of let these marketplaces kind of continue unfettered? And how um, can you think about expanding your route to market in a way that doesn't presume, you know, an inevitable cannibalization of your existing business, right? How do you move into it and say, there is a way that our D2C business and these other areas where we're going to start to, to be can grow together and collectively, right? They don't have to be um, kind of competing with each other. So it's definitely Sarah, a, a big kind of movement for us. And I think being deliberate in what makes our um, channels differentiated, ensuring that you know um, the customer experience, again, that is what matters most for us is when we think about non-direct channels, it's all about ensuring that the customer is going to get the, the product in the way that we would expect them to. Almost, you know, pretty much every single month, we have a new limited edition coffee offering or something. rare and an exclusive. And there are things that create plenty of reason for people to engage with us directly, but are not kind of directly competing with uh, our offerings elsewhere out in the marketplace.
2: Yeah, I, I'm frequently looking for discounts and I am unsuccessful in being able to do that. I have tried. Do you have that honey
1: plug-in? I do. Thought you would. (laughs) Justin, uh, on the theme of experimentation, a lot of folks see Prime Day as an opportunity to test and learn what might work on a larger scale during the holiday season. How did you guys approach Prime Day, and did you learn anything that you're going to carry on for the rest of your marketing mix this holiday season?
3: Sure, yeah, I, you know, Prime Day it's it's been important um, to us as, as a brand for for years, and we have uh, we have a really great team, you know, who, who leads um, our Amazon business, who invests a, a tremendous amount in thinking about this, and you know, one thing is I think we recognize that. It extends beyond Amazon, right? It's it's a moment um, where it's a shopping kind of occasion. We have to ensure that we have something uh, from a direct perspective that we're engaging our other trade partners at that time. But what the the a, a great path that the team has really identified is how do we think about offerings that tell more of a full brand experience and a full brand story, right? So instead of just having a machine by itself um, that is heavily you know, promoted, some of our Prime Day offerings had a machine as well as our Arachino milk frother, right, which creates a little bit of a different experience as well as some of our kind of curated coffee selection, right? So that way, you're telling a story that is still speaking value, right, but is not just only talking about Discount, 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 but it's still something that the consumer being smart enough, they're going to do the math. They're going to look at it and they're going to say, this is a really good deal for me. So we've um, explored that. That also enables us to more effectively manage again um, channels in a, in a thoughtful way and not have them being kind of entirely the same in, in every place. And we've gotten some really great learnings this year. We had a couple of, of deals in place. Supported them all kinds of ways. Um, the Today Show actually mentioned them in a clip. We had all kinds of different support um, across media, and sold out well above kind of expectations. So there are definitely things that we're carrying forward into into Q4 and beyond. And I think just really focusing on you know when you get into these holiday periods, um, promos are important, but it's thinking about how can we ensure again that the value is clear for the consumer, and not always just about the lowest possible price.
2: Fine. I will stop looking for discounts. (laughs) Message received. As we go into holiday, one of the things we're trying to really ascertain is the intersection of the impact of holiday and unfortunate impact of the pandemic. And so Mm -hmm. we had looked at a lot of the changes in behavior at Profitero right after people started going into quarantine. We did this report called The Quarantine Consumer where we saw Massive uptick of at-home coffee making, but more importantly, like just a brewer's and purchase of pods and piece purchase of pods. We saw a lot of that behavior. Okay. That makes sense. You're not going to Starbucks anymore. You want a great cup of coffee. You're not going to take out your old coffee pod or at least on them. But now we go into wave two, if you will, or depending on where you live could be more than two. But as we go into wave two right around the time of the holidays, question becomes like how do you guys think about your promotional calendar but even uh you talked about supply chain in the beginning like what's going to change this holiday season and for the listeners that are fans of nespresso what should they be looking for as we go into the turkey five
3: yeah I, i mean it's it's a it's a great question as it relates to um our supply chain right now, they have been delivering, you know, in, in getting through volumes over the course of the entire year that, that have typically been like historical peaks, right? So they're at, they're at this level of, um, of high, high output. And we know that that's going to continue, um, moving forward into Q4. So one thing is just trying to be as transparent as possible with our consumers and letting them know, Hey, from a, a delivery promise perspective, you know, we're still doing pretty good, but making sure that they're clear on when can they expect things?
2: Well, you would think so, except like Amp Crombie recently announced, like you got to ship by December 4th to get for, for Christmas. So the ship again thing, it's like legit or overblown, one or the other. It, it is. And it, well, it's a challenge
3: too when you're talking about like last mile carriers and how much they're they're trying to um, deal with. So there's a couple of different things. There's one, we're trying to make sure that everybody's really clear on um, on key dates. We're also ensuring that people recognize that they can pick up at our boutique locations, that there are other ways that we can kind of get them product when it comes closer to that holiday deadline. And we're really working across our boutique network to enable that, right? So the in-store traffic, as you would expect, isn't where it was. So there's opportunities to kind of leverage that footprint in, in a little bit more of a meaningful way. The rest from a, from a holiday perspective is... Um, we, you know, we're still absolutely going to have great deals out there. We have a new machine that we launched this year for Virtuo. It's, it's called the Next, and it's the smallest footprint for for Virtuo, which is our our newer um, system that we launched about five years ago that makes a, a larger uh, cup of coffee, and that's really the system of choice right now out there in the marketplace. So our our deals are going to be um, out there on that, and we always have special flavored coffees and kind of limited edition offerings. Um, as well. So those will all be there. Some of the the calendar gets pulled forward a little bit, right, because of those date and kind of shipping implications. But but for right now, um, we're pretty pretty well sticking, I think, to to the historical plans and just trying to ensure that, again, we're as transparent and clear with consumers as, as we can possibly be. So they're not, uh, you know, upset by, you know, being there on Christmas without what they were.
2: Is Paris Macaron coming back?
3: It is not. Um,
2: oh, you're killing me, small.
3: We have some wonderful new Italian festive flavors, Sarah. So we have some uh, biscotti flavors. We have some amaretti, Um And when this goes live, we'll have some other um, really great U.S. favorite holiday uh, holiday flavors that I think you're going to be able to enjoy.
2: That is wonderful to hear. I, I still have three sleeves of Paris Macaron that I've saved for special occasions, I'll tell you a secret. And then Rachel can go to the last question, which I don't think I ever told you. So when I started working with you, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I don't know, a bunch. At the Nespresso USA offices, they have um machines in every room. So any conference room you go into, you can just make yourself a cup of coffee. I had not used an espresso machine before. And I botched about I don't know, six or seven capsules before I got it right. And my team used to make like tremendous fun of me that I had no freaking clue how to do it. which actually was part of the, I I was like the use case for a couple of the campaigns that we worked on together just to explain how the system works. And actually like literally all you have to do is press one freaking button on the machine. I just couldn't get the pod in right. (laughs) Like a complete moron.
3: That's amazing. Literally, all of those machines on that system, they come with one button. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's pretty impressive, Sarah.
2: I know. I know. And, you know, technologists here. Uh, it's funny because, like, when people come over and they use the machine, like, I don't have to teach them. And uh, it's kind of embarrassing for me. But now I've, I've shared with the thousands of listeners what a moron I was. But just so you know, it's
1: real easy. Absolutely delicious. One thing, Justin, from a go-to-market standpoint, yep. pre-pandemic. I was in every conference room around America and Europe. And what I noticed is that when I went to European offices, every single room had an espresso machine. You go to a US office and it's only in the kitchen. And from like that cultural standpoint, I'm like, wow, if Nespresso can get into every conference room in America, as opposed to just kitchen, you've just expanded your town.
3: Yeah, no, it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And they're, Our professional, we have a professional business, right, that focuses on offices here in that from a conference room perspective, um, we do have smaller footprint machines that, you know, we're really trying to push um, in those environments. But you're right, a lot of, I would say, U.S. companies tend to just kind of have these central gathering areas, right, where they have like the one or two machines. But in our office it's funny. Um, the soundtrack is always, you can hear coffee brewing when somebody's on the phone mm. and they're dialed in. You can just hear the machine coming along and the coffee brewing was just kind of a, a core part of, uh, of us.
1: Love it. Well, our favorite question, Justin, what is the bravest thing that you've ever done?
3: It's such a big question, guys, right? Um, Recently, bias here, right? So I'll, I'll give you a recent example. So a couple hundred, two weeks ago, I ran my first marathon and it was um, a virtual marathon, which basically means I went out by myself, strapped on a whole bunch of fluids and ran for hours and hours. Um, had never covered that distance before. But when I started 2020 um, and thought about my annual goals, that was the one that I wanted to do. Um, and I put it on the list and I had signed up for a race earlier this year that got canceled because of the pandemic. And I thought, um, you know what? There's still an opportunity to do it, even though all the races are canceled. So I went out there and I did it. And it was uh, miserable towards the end. But um, I was happy I did it. And it was uh, was a great experience.
1: I'm glad that you stuck to it. My father was probably out there with you. He did uh, the Strava virtual marathon.
3: That's that's exactly what I did. And it's funny because you're doing it and people, you're struggling, or at least I was. And then people are just out walking their dogs on like a Sunday morning looking at you like, what's wrong with this person? Right. As you're going through like this existential moment. So yeah.
2: Wow. I if I could do a 5K, I'd be very happy right now. So bravo to you. <laughs> Thank you. Justin, as always, pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh we look forward to having you back as The podcast progresses. Of
3: course. It was so great connecting with both of you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was my pleasure.
2: Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend.
0: Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company?